This is She Sparks Tech, a podcast about women who take technology to heart in their careers. We will explore stories about women who think creatively, find new directions, solve problems, and chase passions, all through technology. I'm your host, Casey Bertelsman, and I am excited about showcasing amazing women and their careers, covering both expected and unexpected directions to expand our idea of tech careers, and in hopes of inspiring each of us to think a little bit bigger. The combination of analytical thinking, a realistic way of looking at the world, and the passion for solving problems drove Amory Fisher to a career in software engineering without giving it a lot of thought. And once she had her first job as a developer, she quickly identified her next career goal, becoming a tech lead. And she made the decision to move countries and companies to join a team that supported her in pursuing a tech lead role faster than the straightforward path. And she became a tech lead at 26. But like so many of us, Anna struggled with burnout once the pandemic hit. And she quit her job and was looking for a way to heal. And following that, she received her certification as a coach and started her business as a career coach in tech. And then three months later, she was working with a boot camp to support students getting their first tech roles. In 2022, Anne-Marie joined the CodeOp team as their education lead and product director. And CodeOp is a company supporting women and Women Plus transitioning into tech. This led her to pursue a topic very close to her heart, working with companies on training and coaching their tech leads on tech leadership skills. Amarie still supports Women Plus transitioning into tech, but her main focus is growing tech leads as she believes the best way to amplify positive change in a team is having great leaders. And that's, in my opinion, so important to the tech industry, um, having great leaders and diverse leaders so that we can uplift people of all kinds and have diverse thought. Today, I am here with Anne-Marie. And Anne-Marie, I forgot to ask how you actually pronounce your last name also. Fisher. Fisher. Perfect. Anne-Marie is here to talk to me about her background in tech and how she became a career coach. And I'm super excited. She has a really amazing story. So, Anne, for you, what did it look like um, getting your first role in tech after you had your, your computer science degree? Well, my first role in tech, I got it in my second year of university, actually, because, you know, you need experience to get a job and you need a job to get experience. And so I started early with like part-time jobs, uh, full-time in, in summertime. Um, I got a web developer a role. It was like, um, yeah, it was like an intern uh, position and I was kind of doing everything and being excited of trying anything that that uh, any technology that they had the chance to try and i was part of a very small team mostly men <laughs> that has been the story over over my career and i think yeah i it was a nice way to to start into the journey let's say yeah and i guess since you had that while you were still learning it's a great way to start applying stuff that you are learning and actually see how to use it 
Exactly. It's it's a great opportunity to apply things, even though in like I, I studied software engineering and I was doing a lot of like hardware at the time, right? So when I started, actually, this was my chance to get into web development sooner by, by doing the job even before studying it. So it was like a, you know, um, complementary thing to my, my study at the time. Yeah, I love that. Um, and then so, you know, you went from that role and, you know, you, you graduate, you have your first full-time role, degree, all that wonderful stuff. Um, what was your experience like through that? Well, uh, it was intense, let's say, right? In the first years of my career, I kind of wanted to like start strong and I was uh, moving, like I changed a lot of companies, always trying to look for the best place to, to learn. I put myself through a Java school at the time. It was like a five months intensive program. Me and uh, nine men were fighting for this three position that would get hired later. And I remember this because it kind of got it, uh, me started in, in the, into the journey because at the time Java was a very required kind of skill in the, in the technical world. And from there, I just kind of moved on to become a Java developer. And I, yeah, I loved that for a while, but very quickly I became very curious in this other side of tech, which is like the product side and why are we doing things and how I, how can we make it better, make them better, sorry. And so I, yeah, I started looking towards more like a leadership role and, and leading teams and having a, a bigger impact, what I would call, um, for in tech. Yeah. Um, and so you, you said you had, you did a Java program separately from your degree. As far as coding that you did learn in your degree program, what did that look like versus the, the boot camp? In my, like, in my studies, my experience wasn't actually that amazing, I would say, because we were learning a lot of things that were very not up to date at that time, right? So I was learning a lot of, like, basics. I was doing assembly and, like, everything, you know, from the starting point. But there were a lot of things that you, you could only learn on the job. For example, Java, I was um, learning Java in, in school. But actually, this was the case when, when it happened, as you were mentioning before, where I got the chance to work on the Java school at the same time as I was learning Java in, 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 um, in university. And that was a really good course. So yeah, that kind of speed me up, uh, gave me the chance to do both at the same time. I mean, I did four years of computer science and definitely that, that was important in my, in my development as a, as a software engineer. But also I believe that a lot of things could have been improved in kind of making sure that, you know, tech is moving very fast and it's important to keep up in order for people to be more and more ready for the job industry more than anything. Yeah, I, I would agree on that front. It's hard for university programs to keep current with how quickly things develop and change. You know, they may set a course for, you know, whatever topic they want to explore. And then by the time they've gotten really good at teaching it, it's no longer relevant. Yeah, or there's a new way to do it. <laughs> yeah, that happens like, a lot. This is better. We want this way instead. <laughs> Exactly. But I think, I mean, at least my experience was that when you're doing the interviews, like companies kind of try, at least when you're starting out in your in your career, companies are like interviewing you to check potential more than knowledge, right? So it's like, 
your ability to learn and like play and have the basics of, of software engineering. And from there, like you can kind of learn any technologies or or programming language or whatever. So that, that was my experience, at least. I was a, like evaluated based on the potential and ability to, to learn new things. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's so important, like going through any program in engineering, um, you know, whether some schools include computer science in their engineering program, some don't, but including computer science and engineering, what you're taught so much of is how to learn and how to apply yourself. And so when you have that kind of education, like you're learning how to learn and how to improve. And if you've been able to say, yes, I have the degree that says I can do that, you can learn just about anything um, as far as technical skills, in my opinion. I totally agree. But I also believe like now these days I'm working with a lot of boot camps that are focusing on supporting like women transitioning into tech, right? So they're coming from completely different backgrounds. They didn't have like a degree uh, or university in, in computer science. And I my experience is that you can teach these skills of like learning and, you know, which you need, like developing this potential faster than like the these days, right? Uh, and you can kind of teach these people directly on the skills that are required in the job today and create that base. Like the base moved a little bit since when I started 10 years ago. So yeah, I think it's definitely doable for people to have a chance and, and get in tech and, and do a, you know, build a strong career, even if they don't have that, that like software engineering, computer science study. Yes, without a doubt. I think what's so important is that like management and leadership positions, you know, those are the soft skills that go with those. The non-technical skills are, they can be applied in any industry. So if someone has those skills, they can transition into tech and learning, you know, the actual tech work is, that's something that can always be taught. The management skills and the leadership soft people skills, it's so much harder to teach someone who does not already have those. For sure. It's one of the biggest struggles. I, I work with tech leads and that's that's the part where they struggle. It's not the tech part, right? It's about understanding what my team wants from me, what my company wants from me and how do I make that happen, right? How do I convince this group of people to follow me in these crazy, you know, ideas we're building here? So I, I yeah, I'm totally with you there. And I think that's one of the it, it's a different challenge, right? Let's say that yes. at, at that point. Without a doubt. And so one of the, the biggest challenges that you had early in your career is that you were constantly told that you're too young to be a tech lead, which was what you really wanted. So how did you you know, manage that and kind of fight against the, the people that were telling you this? Well, basically, first thing that I did, I moved uh, from the country that was telling me that, okay, that's the only way to, to do that. So I'm originally from Romania. And at that point, there was like a way to do things, right? So you had, there was like a deep, like a development career path in software engineering in which you go like from starting to senior to tech lead. And, and it was like, very tight to years of experience, right? So you're like, for becoming a tech lead, you need to have like, I don't know, 10 years of experience at that point. So people are like, well, we cannot, like when I started asking after a couple of years in the industry, they were like, okay, this is, this is way too early for us to be talking about this. 
So how I, did I navigate that? I started to see how the people outside, like in the world, are solving this problem. Is this a thing? Do I have to wait that long, you know? And I found that there are companies uh, out there, international companies, that they offer way more like support and training and invest a lot in growing people into leadership position, like at their speed and with giving them the experience they need. And it's not in any way related to age, right? And I moved, that's when I moved here to Barcelona seven years ago um, to join Totoros, an international consultancy company that gave me basically the opportunity that I needed to, uh, right? So they had programs and I was doing a lot of training and basically getting any opportunity to, to develop in this, uh, in this area. And yeah, I, I became a tech lead then at 26 and like, I used to hide my age, to be honest, when I started, because people like, it, it's just that no matter how much work, like how well you are doing your job, when they would find out my age, they would, you know, have that reaction. It's like mm, making, you know, some math in their head. It's like, how, how, like, wait, like, how does that work? So yes, for a long time, I was hiding my age and that worked <laughs> at the time. It's like, I was trying to prove myself before I was telling them that. So that's how I navigated. I don't, I think there are better ways to do that, to navigate that, that challenge. But yeah, it worked for me. <laughs> yep. And I mean, it's, it's such a large transition you made. It's, you know, a new company, a new country. As someone from Romania, I would guess you don't, you might not speak a lot of Spanish. Maybe I'm wrong. I actually did speak more than I thought when I moved here. So because as Romanians, it's really easy for us to learn like languages as Spanish, Italian, English. And so I, I did speak it, of course, not professionally. Even now, I don't feel comfortable like professionally teaching or, you know, in Spanish. But like for being able to like go around, it, it was good enough. Okay. Like the because the language barrier can be an even harder one, you know. A lot of people professionally work in English internationally, but, you know, you go day to day to go to the grocery store, go to a restaurant that can make a transition so much more difficult. I think the biggest struggle was at the like culture level, right? Because like the people you're working with, even if you're speaking English at like professional and the clients and with everyone. But like, I think when you're trying to build relationship, right, you go out for lunch, people are like a lot of people who were Spanish. And I felt that in the beginning, it was like push for me to like speak Spanish. I didn't feel as comfortable. I was also trying to like grow into this leadership role. And you know, like they say you become a different person in the, in a different language, in each language you're learning. Right. And I didn't feel the same as confident and, you know, uh, in, in Spanish. And so that, that definitely took a toll on me on, on that area, kind of trying to build, you know, uh, friendships and stuff like that in, in a language that I wasn't comfortable necessarily at that point with. Yeah. So in, you know, that such a big transition, were you nervous or scared to, you know, move countries, move companies, completely move your life um, from what you've always known? I was looking forward to what's going to happen and everything happened very fast. Like I applied, I did the interviews in like a full day of eight hours of interviews and two weeks later I was here. So I didn't, I kind of packed everything and I moved. I think in the plane, it was the moment when I realized, like I was looking at my partner, I was like, what are we doing? You know, like we did, we think this through, you know? Uh, yeah, it was definitely intense, but I, I think I just realized a little bit later, you know, I kind of went to the with the flow. And uh, yeah, I was very excited about what was coming and got me through it. 
Yeah, you were, I mean, you were committed to that change and that future that you knew could actually exist at this new company. Exactly. Committed. That's the word that I was looking for. (laughs) Since it happened so quickly, did it feel like any of those decisions were hard to make or you were really just, you know, that excited? Definitely decisions were hard to make, sorry. It's like um, one of them, like the thing that I struggled with was like um, in Romania at the time, the IT industry was like flourishing. So there were like high salaries in Spain, not so much, right? So one of the things that I, I disappointed on when I joined, when I came here was that I had to basically, I mean, I don't know uh, if you know, but in Spain, the, the living costs are like double or triple than, than at, uh, in Romania, right? So kind of coming on the, on the same salary base. And that, that was complicated, let's say, right? Because I worked really hard from the beginning of my career to kind of be in, independent financially more than anything. But again, I followed my heart, which was like, this is what I wanted to do. And I, at this point, I cannot see another option for me to do this. And this is what's important. So I made some compromises and I, um, yeah, I work with that. There were definitely some tough decisions, but they were, because of the pressure of time to make a decision, it were easier to take. Yep. How long were you at that role in Spain before the pandemic and the big transition that you made leaving your role? So I was in the tech lead role um, for almost two years, I think, when I left uh, the company. Yeah, more or less that I think that was the, the timeline. And I guess in that time, you know, you were a fairly successful tech lead and I guess, what what happened to cause that burnout that you experienced? I think it relates a lot to what you just asked me before. It was like making decisions very fast with a lot of pressure, right? So I was doing a lot of that kind of chasing my my goal. And once I, I got the role, actually, my biggest surprise was like, I remember I, I, I got the role. I was like so happy. I worked so hard to get there. And I had this feeling that like the work didn't stop, you know, it's like no one stops everybody, like everybody was coming with more expectations, more things like the team and there was more pressure and more like, and I kind of got into it. I didn't even have time to enjoy it, like, you know, that my work paid off. And so, yeah, I, I, I got into this circle and I was doing a lot of also uh, work on outside of, of like work. Because here in Spain, it's a real problem of like the, the gender gap in tech. It's, it's just, it's a problem, uh, which was something that I didn't experience in, in Romania. Uh, and so when I came here and I saw like a woman struggling, I, I kind of got this drive and I started getting involved in all of these communities and events and kind of, you know, supporting, mentoring, coaching. So I was doing a lot of, of things and I'd never stopped to, to take a breath. And when pandemic hit here, we were like stuck in the house for like three or four months completely. And so it just hit me right one day. I was like, what am I doing? I, I have no, like, that's all I'm doing. It's working. And when you're in front of the computer, right, you don't go to events where it's all online. It's kind of, yeah, it, it's, uh, it became like unbearable. Yeah, it was basically at some point I couldn't function. I felt like overwhelmed and tired all the time. And I couldn't like my mind was, you know, unable to focus. So I wasn't at my best. And I don't, I I didn't like, I took the decision that this doesn't work for me or for my team. 
And so I quit the role that I loved and that I worked so hard for with no plan, just to, uh, to be able to come back in, in the game. I mean, when you quit, you didn't have another job lined up. Um, you, you know, in theory, were leaving behind this dream that you had created for yourself. So how did you decide what should come next? Um, so from this point on, until here in my career, I had a plan, right? So I knew where I wanted to get and I followed it through. From this point on, it kind of happened, to be honest which was interesting and exciting and scary at the same time. So what happened is I took some months to, to recover mentally and physically, right? Um, and to kind of get my, to get to a point where I can feel motivation again and, and drive for, for coming back to work. And so uh, part of my tech lead role, I was doing a lot of, like I said, coaching, mentoring, supporting people in their career development, like not just my team members, but also outside. So after a couple of months, people started reaching out. Hey, where are you? When did you leave? Like, we have annual reviews coming up. We need you, you know? And so I started with, like, I said, okay, I, I'm free. I have time. Let's, I can help you. So I started with the coffee. I had the call. I had the chat. And I'm like, wait, like, I can do this for real, you know? I invested and I got my, my uh, certification as a coach. I started my business at that point two years ago in order to give people the structure that they needed, right, to do this properly. And so, yeah, over the past two years, I've done a lot of different things from working with different boot camps in supporting women get into tech uh, to working with different companies to train their tech leads in these leadership skills that are so hard to train and teach for, for them. So, yeah, it, it kind of just happened. Like, you know, once you put yourself out there, that was my experience. Once you put yourself out there and you're honest and vulnerable about like where you're coming from and what you want and what can you do, opportunities um, come to you. Yes, I would definitely agree with that. There's, you know, there's the saying, you know, one door closes and like a window opens or another door opens, you know, whatever version of that you want to listen to. And it's not always so immediate, but taking that time to figure out what you want and what you're excited about does usually lead, you know, you meet someone who knows someone who can like actually help you move towards something that you're wanting to, um, to explore. Definitely. And there's another thing, like I discovered I'm driven by outer accountability. So people needing me or expecting something from my side, that's, completely gets me going. So when people start reaching out and saying, hey, we know, you know, we need you, that completely helped me, you know, <laughs> uh, start start off. Yeah. Definitely. And so I guess for people who are not knowing what they want out of a career, but wanting to, you know, feel somewhat in control of what's coming next, um, what kind of advice would you have for them in my experience i think the best way to find out what you like and what you want to do is through exploration and the best way to start exploring is to start with like uh, eliminating things right so um i coach a lot of people and the, like a lot of people say i don't know what to do 
And the more we get into it, like they realize they know. It's just they are not ready to go for it. Again, I'm generalizing here, right? But it's about so that exploration. And that exploration doesn't have to come from, oh, I really want to try this. It can come from what I know for sure that I don't want to do at this point, right? So by starting from what I don't want to do, that's your base level. And from there on, it's like, maybe this would be interesting. But the only way to really know if you're something you're like, you know, um, you're going to like, it's to try it out like um, real and not just stay in your head and imagining how would I feel, how would I think. I do that a lot, by the way. So I know how not efficient, let's say, that is. So I think the way to do it is just by trying that out. At least in tech, my uh, I've seen like there are so many tools online to, to kind of experience anything in the tech space, right, for free. I think, right, like kind of starting your um, your journey out there. So, yeah, in my opinion, I think it's just about trying and finding it out by by doing like um, and taking that step, which is the hardest, right? The first step to, to start something, I think it's is the hardest. And the reason for that is because I think we are very uncomfortable at, at uh, not being good at something new, right? Because we've been like training. It's it's uncomfortable, that feeling in the beginning. You forget about it. Like when I started and I, you know, struggled like to learn a lot of things. And yeah, it's hard to, to completely go in a different direction because in the beginning, you're probably going to take you a while until you get good at it. So yeah, that's that's my advice. Exploration through through doing things. And I think what's powerful, I guess, you know, to pull out two points, you know, you can find anything online, you know, you can learn from YouTube videos, from downloading apps, you know, you can learn how to code on games on apps now, um, not necessarily high level, but you can learn about it. And you have control over who is seeing you fail or succeed in those instances also, um, because no one likes to show their failure. And especially as women in tech, as soon as we can't do something, you know, it, it's just a, such a stigma. And so it's like, I have to show up and know what I'm doing. So being able to do that in the privacy of what you're comfortable with, like there are so many opportunities now to do that. You don't have to go immediately to a boot camp um, where you're surrounded by nine, 10 men who may already know a little bit more than you do. You know, you can explore at the rate that is comfortable for you. Definitely. I think that's, that's amazing that, that, uh, that you put, yeah, you can control on how much visibility you have on whatever your progress is. To add on top of that, I mean, one of the things that I've seen working a lot is that women definitely feel more comfortable being surrounded by women in this process, right? That at the, at the same stage. So they are more, actually, the boot camps I'm working with, they only work with non-men, right? So women, women plus, which makes it, at least this is the feedback that I keep getting from them, that it just makes it uh, way easier, right? When you look around and you don't feel this this pressure, which just, it's, it's, it's a thing, right? It's kind of um, finding uh, finding someone like you uh, around, and I. It's just the thing. I believe the more you grow in, I don't know. This is also your experience, but the more you grow in the tech industry, the harder it is to find a woman around. Like you know, you look around, and it's like less and less. Um, so that's that's what also where my work comes in. It's about kind of getting more, but not just at that first stage, but pushing further because I think we have a lot of skills that. 
that we can use, you know, and we're not seeing them. Yes. I, I always like to say, you know, I'm trying to climb a ladder, but I'm trying to like bring people up to the top with me. I'm not kicking the rungs out of the ladder as I go because it can get really lonely at the top. And I want us all to be up there having a party together. Like, I don't want to be up there with people that I'm not interested in. Like, I want people to look like me. I want people to look like everyone up there and celebrating all the differences. I love that. I, I have this saying that that uh, I use a lot. I, it's not that you cannot do it alone. It's that you don't have to, right? Yes. Yep. There's always someone who is interested in helping you along the way. It may not be the first person you ask. It may not be the 10th person you ask. But there are so many women who are where they are today because another woman helped them. And most of them want to pay it forward the right way. Um, everyone has their you know, limit to how much they can give of themselves, but, you know, it's a, there's someone out there for you. Yes, I, I agree. And this can be easily identified in like the communities, like where you see how it's just like, there's a higher increase rate of where there are only like women in the communities to, to get help and, and support each other. It's just a fact, right? Like you go there, you ask a question and this rambar, a random woman just re- replies to you and yeah, and helps you. But I think we just have what you just said before. We just have to be careful because we do tend to kind of pay off more. You know, you can only give what you have extra. And I think in order to keep this for the long run, right, we have to also take care of ourselves. I, I just want to emphasize on this because you can only help someone if you're okay, right? Like if not, you're just, doesn't work for, for anyone. So it's just kind of keeping in check also, like what do you need? And maybe you also need support and it's not just giving to others at some point. Yes, it's a, it's a difficult balance because of all of the expectations that, you know, women are yes. placed on women, um, navigating all of them. A lot of them from all the all the spaces coming. Yes, that's very true. Yes, I've seen like some of the language that you've used as far as you know how you've gotten to to your career now is that you've really focused on driving it to where you wanted it to be. And can you talk a little bit about you know how you're able to envision what that might be and how you're driving it and not letting things just happen to you? I I kind of applied some simple rules, let's say, for, for my career. Haven't, haven't had them clear since the beginning, but I developed them, I figured them out on, on the way. So what worked for me first, I had clear what I wanted in a way or another or what I didn't want, right? So I started from there, what I want to make sure I want to avoid. So kind of I build on top of that. It definitely helps to have some sort of a vision, right? To go towards something, even if you might not get get there or you see something completely new and shiny on the way and it's fine to go and chase that. But it's about kind of going towards something, you know? Um, not blindly, but having a focus. Um, so that's the first thing. Second, uh, like I told you, it's about the, the control part, as you said before. So... For me, it's very important to feel like I, I have um, control over what's happening with me. And one thing that I hear a lot from the woman that I'm, I'm working with, it's 
this this is where it, it hits me really hard. When I see them, they're like, I, I cannot do anything about this, right? I cannot do anything about getting this raise. I cannot do anything about changing my situation. I'm just stuck here in pain and, you know. So for me, um, this is the thing what I struggle with because in my, in my situation, I uh, managed to kind of overcome that, right? So even if everybody around me told me, you're too young or it's too early or you don't have the skills, I was always coming back and asking, okay, so what am I missing? How can I get there? You know, how can you help me? What's your role in this, right? So it's always kind of putting on, on the other person and understanding because they have a role also, your manager, your like, they have a role in your development. It's in their interest for you to grow, right? And, and so many times I see like women don't see this. They feel like, you know, they are alone in, in, in that struggle. And so that's one thing, right? Like first um, making use of all the tools around me whatever they are. If there's a training, I sign up. I don't wait for people to see me or ask me, right? I sign up. I ask around, how can I get into this? What is it happening? When is it happening? Who gets in? Like kind of just creating, I think that's the word. I've been creating the opportunities for myself, right? That's that's basically it. And I was, and this is like the most important part. I was always very clear about what I want and transparent. So when I wanted to be a tech lead, the moment that I came into the, um, joined the company, the, the consultancy company, I told them from the beginning, this is my goal. If it's going to take me two, five, 10 years, right? I want to feel like I'm moving forward. So I told them, I used any annual review and any performance review that I had, like any chance to evaluate how far away I am until they couldn't say you're missing something, right? So they had to give it to me, basically. Um, but it's about this, about understanding what's your um, what's your base, what are your strengths, and pushing people around you when they tell you you're not ready on what is it, what's missing. So you can work towards that instead of just trying and waiting for someone to see your efforts, which is more what most of us do, you know. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I've been been doing, creating my own opportunities. I think that's super important. And then I guess, you know, another side of that would be, you know, as you're creating your own opportunities, how do you avoid overcommitting yourself or saying yes too often also? By starting to say no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, I did this exercise once. I just said no to everything for a couple of days to see what happens. You know, it's like I knew I was overwhelmed already to kind of... um, to see what happened, but this this is on the side. So how do you basically uh, create these opportunities and, and choose something that helps you without saying yes to everything? I think there is a way. I need to say that in the first years of my career, I definitely went for saying yes to everything and that kind of helped me and drove me forward. But again, I also end up in burnout. So it's not necessarily the best best strategy. Um, and so I think the way to um, to define or to decide on what to say yes to, it's by verifying with the people in this case in charge for giving you your next promotion or role or like with the industry, right? Like doing some interviews, checking your value on the market uh, in order for you to decide where you should focus on. Because... It's tech skill, it's leadership skill. You have to get better at this. You also have to do this. Okay, so what is your goal? I want to become this. Okay, and what, what 
one of these is the most important for me to focus on right now. That's how you get it by instead of you just assuming right on what you think it's important, validating with the people around you that will have an effect and actually going to use that. Because so many times we just do so many things and we have hundreds of things we've done. And then they come and they tell you, but you haven't done that. Well, you didn't tell me. Right? So my point is like, I believe that you can reduce the risk of getting in that situation by asking the right questions at the right time to the right people. Without a doubt. And I think, you know, along those lines, as you're establishing those priorities with people who, you know, hold future opportunities in front of you, like those priorities, you can't have 10 priorities or nothing is a priority. It's, you know, you get one, maybe two, and you have to be really ruthless about protecting that. And you come back and you say, does this align with this priority? Yes, no. If not, it's probably not something you should pursue unless for whatever reason you're so excited about it. And even then you need to be like, if I do this, I don't have time for this other thing that might align with the priority. Am I okay with that? Um, Because there's only so much you can do. Exactly. There's only so much you can do. And the beauty of focusing on a priority, like you said, is that even if you don't get where you want to get, you will quickly realize that maybe it's impossible where you are now, or you're you're like there is something that you need that you're not able to get in the next five years. So then you can re-decide and change priorities, right? But the only way to figure that out is by completely going into something. But it's that fear of missing out, right? That we are struggling with. It's like what if by saying no to this, I'm not going to be left out or, you know, it's it's that fear, I think, that we are fighting so hard and I still haven't figured it out how to completely manage it, but focus helps for sure. And I think that's, those were all of like the, the topics and questions that I'd outlined for us to kind of work through. Is there anything else that you're, um, that you want to share that you'd like to, to end on today? I would like what I would like to stay with from from this conversation that we had it's it's this idea of control like this is the main struggle that I see in in working with over 200 uh, women in, in tech in the past 2 years and it's it's about this this feeling of of not being in control so I just want to say that there are ways to get in control or have more than you think. So it's just about um, finding the ways to, to do that. And sometimes it's by asking for help and that's okay. Yes, that's, that's a very powerful note to end on. Thank you. Um, can you share with the listeners where they can find you if they want to get in touch? Yeah, for sure. I'm on LinkedIn. Just look me up and you can reach out to me really, uh, really easy there. That's my place to be. I love there. I love LinkedIn. Perfect. I'll make sure that the that your LinkedIn um, link ends up in the show notes for everyone to find you. Um, and thank you so much for joining me here today, Emery. It was it was wonderful. This was a great conversation. Thank you, Casey. Thank you for organizing this and for making this possible and sharing and spreading this word uh, towards like for everyone to hear. I really appreciate you having me here. And have a great day. Take care in these crazy times. And 
Looking forward to see you soon in the future. This episode with Anne-Marie was so wonderful. It was really powerful. I mean, there's so many things to take away from it, but like on a emphasized at the end is how important control is. And as women, we do like to feel like we have control over ourselves. And in tech, there can be so many unknowns that make it really, really difficult. So I encourage you to find and explore ways that you can take back control. Find a community that helps you feel more confident in that. And if that community is the She Sparks Tech community, wonderful. If it's somewhere else, I'd love to know where you are getting that support. Um, but if you want to hang out more with me and She Sparks Tech, you can find me on Instagram at She Sparks Tech. We share several posts every month and all kinds of wonderful things along with the two episodes we put out each month. Stay well. If you are in the northern part of the world, hopefully you are getting ready for spring like I am. Um, And I'll see you again in two weeks for another great episode of She Sparks Tech.